This is Hollywood Unfiltered, hosted by Dana Buckler and Brandon Lou here. Okay, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network. My name is Dana Buckler. My name is Brandon Lou here. And we are, as always, pleased that you're taking a little time out of your day to join us. Now, we were off last week, Brandon. There is a ton of stuff that has happened in the past two weeks. But before we get into this week's headlines, first of all, how are you? How was your time off? I'm doing well, buddy. It was a good couple of weeks. You know, admittedly, I, we, I know we touched on this before the show. I was, I was, I've been having some struggle with some mental health stuff. I don't want to get too deep into it, but I know everybody struggles with things. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm, do, I'm doing good and I had a good week and I'm, I'm really excited for what's to come and making strides to uh, just to be, be a happy person. And, you know, I, like I said, I know we all struggle with things. So I just wanted to say that so that if anyone's listening out there who's struggling with things, just know that, you know, Everything is everything is going to be okay, and you can always reach out to us if you want to if you want to talk. But uh, you know, yeah, we're good. Absolutely. On that note, everything's good, dude. Everything's good. Absolutely, man. And uh, I, I'm going to second everything you said there. You know, if anybody's out there listening and you're feeling a little unsure of yourself, you're feeling a little bit of anxiety. Life's got you overwhelming. Life's got you overwhelmed. Which, <laughs> given the current state of the uh, the world that we've been living in for almost two years, it's understandable. Just know that you're not alone. And uh, I, I too personally do struggle with those those issues from time to time. So uh, you're you're not alone. You know, reach out to people. There's always people willing to talk to you. So but before we get into this week's headlines and what's trending on your radar, I, I do want to say a quick congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams for all our football fans out there no one is ever going to argue against that the argue against the fact that the past two weeks of playoff football have arguably been some of the best football i have ever seen every game came down to the wire every game was decided either by a field goal or in overtime and this past weekend's championship games were no different so I know here in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, we're getting pretty excited, pretty geared up because the Super Bowl is at SoFi Stadium and it is going to be a celebrity filled madhouse jamboree. We're talking about a halftime show that has Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige. I mean, this is going to be L.A. and Hollywood doing it right. And the fact that the Los Angeles Rams are playing in their home stadium, which has only ever happened once before, ironically, last year with Brady and the Bucks. We just want to say here at Hollywood Unfiltered that we're, we're so excited for, for Los Angeles, for L.A., for Hollywood, because they know how to put a party on. And Super Bowl Sunday on February 13th is going to be one hell of a party. Brandon, did you know that I actually went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Los Angeles Rams game in Tampa last weekend, and I potentially may have seen Tom Brady's last football game. Yeah, Dan, I remember you telling me it was a really exciting game. I caught bits and pieces of it after the fact. How was it being there in person? It was a potentially historic game. It was one of those you you couldn't have wrote the script any better. 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by the mighty Tom Brady, fell behind 27-3 with seven minutes left in the third quarter. I'll tell you this. I saw a lot of people leaving Raymond James Stadium. And the guys that I was with, they had their heads down. They were lifelong Buccaneers fans. I looked at them and I said calmly, don't worry. I've seen this movie before. You have nothing <laughs> to worry about. And it was almost like I set the wheels in motion because over the next... 30 to 40 minutes, we watched the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come back and tie the game in the most dramatic fashion. Now, ultimately, this movie obviously came out in the 90s when happy endings were few and far between because the Los Angeles Rams did end up kicking a game-winning field goal as time expired to win the game. But I'll tell you this, the energy in an NFL football stadium during the playoffs is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Now, obviously, the bucket list for me is to go to the Super Bowl, but just for fun, Brandon, I was doing a little research. I was thinking, well, maybe I want to go to the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Do you know right now what the cheapest ticket is going for for this year's Super Bowl? Oh, gosh, what is it? It's going to be it's going to be expensive. I can only guess that the cheapest ticket at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, Los Angeles. This is considered the nosebleed of the nosebleed seats up in the rafters right now is going for a very, very fair $5,900. And that's the cheapest ticket at the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. That is just it really is ridiculous. You I hope that whoever gets those tickets really I hope whoever gets tickets for the entire game really is a big fan of uh, football in the Super Bowl because those are. I mean, gosh, what are what are the most expensive tickets if those are the cheapest? I am looking forward I mean, to the Super Bowl, though. I am the half sh- the halftime I mean, shows. Go- Sorry, go. no, no, no. I was just going to say, I was going to say, just to answer your question real quick, the uh, the most expensive seats, uh, <laughs> those are going to be the, uh, the the box seats, you know, the uh, the the suites, if you will. And I'd have to imagine that they're going for no less than a hundred thousand dollars per suite, and those suites can hold up to twenty people, and that's a very catered affair i remember watching the game this past weekend at sofi stadium and the fox broadcast went to one of the suites where you saw leo talking to a buddy and they had a bar set up behind them that looked like it was the most eloquent bourbons and scotches and vodkas you've ever seen in your life and i thought you know for leo pocket change and just imagine how many celebrities are going to be at this Super Bowl, more than the Oscars, I predict. Yeah, more than the Oscars, more than the Golden Globes, for sure. I mean, like I said, the halftime <laughs> show is gonna is, is what I'm looking forward to the most. It's it That that in and of itself is, is one of the most star-studded we've seen in a long time. Uh, definitely, I'm looking, you know, speaking of expensive things, I'm, I am looking forward to the commercials as well. All, all the celebrities that are there spending big bucks on the tickets all the all the companies spend big bucks on those commercials so it's i mean it's a lot of money for one night for one event by if we were to go by any historical numbers i think right now the going rate for a super bowl 30 second commercial is five million dollars five million dollars for a 30 second commercial and that's just to get it on the air that's not even how much it costs to actually produce the commercial and they they go in i mean you need if you're going to spend five million dollars per 30 seconds you better have a you better have a commercial that's going to get some eyeballs on it i mean people critique the commercials more than they critique the damn game with the next day it's insane it's absolutely insane but i can tell you what we could talk sports we could talk football but this show is called hollywood unfiltered where we look at everything that's going on inside of the entertainment industry so brandon i'm going to kick the ball over to you what's trending what's on your radar yes sir so the sundance film festival wrapped up last week the festival had scrapped its plans for an in-person gathering for 2022. It pressed on as an exclusively virtual event. 
The, organizer of the, of the, the organizers of the event went on to say in a press release, while it is a deep loss not to have the in-person experience in Utah, we do not believe it is safe nor feasible to gather thousands of artists, audiences, employees, volunteers, and partners from around the world for an 11-day festival while overwhelmed communities are already struggling to provide essential services. Now, the 2020 festival drew some 117,000 people. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was a lot, including like 44,000 alone from out of state uh, locations, including New York City and L.A., of course. Uh, and so, you know, over the last two weeks, New York and, and L.A. County, uh, the New York State and L.A. County have each routinely broken daily records. But, you know, anyway, so, you know, the, the, the 2021 festival combined in-person screenings with with online screenings it was kind of a hybrid they had they had drive-ins too but so yeah so i don't know it's it's even sundance film festival is now now a stream dana yeah no i've got a couple friends of mine so for those listeners out there i do a weekly podcast on movies in the film industry as well and uh, although i don't really focus on movie reviews as much uh, sometimes we do reviews, but more or less it's just lengthy discussions about film franchises and and different movies out there. But I do have a a number of friends in the podcasting community that do dedicated podcast review shows and excuse me do dedicated movie review podcasts and i reached out to a couple of them because they 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 went to that sundance festival in 2020 and uh, a particular friend of mine said it was you know a life-changing experience he goes i saw more movies in a one-week period than i've seen you know in a two-year period because it's just the movies basically play 24 hours a day and there are you know 25 different theaters it's it's an insane experience but this year i reached out to him i said so no sundance what are you doing he said, well, since I'm a credentialed movie reviewer and I've got press credentials, he was able to get into the, the online portal and watch the movies at home, which he thought was actually kind of an interesting way to watch the film. He said there's, of course, no substitute for being there. But he did say that, you know, he wouldn't mind hanging out at the comfort of his own home, watching, having access to these movies and watching them again. So it will be interesting to see moving forward if, you know, Sundance, if the organizers keep this hybrid thing on, because they want to get these movies in front of them as many eyeballs as possible, because lest, lest we forget, the whole purpose of the Sundance Music Festival, excuse me, the Sundance Movie Festival is for these smaller independent films to find distribution, to find buyers. So you want to get these in front of as many people as possible. So I think it's like a lot of things have happened over the past year past two years the models have changed quite a bit so i'd be curious to see you know next year knock on wood hopefully things are back to somewhat normal uh surroundings and be curious to see what they do if they continue this hybrid model in the future yeah i love the idea of a hybrid model only if it's just an expansion and a supplementation to an actual in-person festival a festival is a festival a, a stream is a stream i know that you know Things happen and the, the in-person thing wasn't going to happen this year. But, you know, for me, I've never been to one of those festivals. I've never been to Sundance. So I, part of me knows that the, the true experience is going in there, going, bouncing around the different theaters, seeing the different movies. But like you said, yeah, next year, hopefully we'll be back to, to, to some normal, some normalcy. Now, in other news, we do have Rhett and Link, the, the two popular YouTube YouTubers from um, Good Mythical Morning. Uh, who have they've zigged and zagged their way through careers in digital content, com comedy, and books over the past several years. They're now ready to try their hands at food journalism. 
the hosts of the daily web-based comedy show Good Mythical Morning are set to debut The Taste Buds with Rhett and Link, a new food network series that will have the duo explore some of America's favorite food brands and meet the people behind their production. Food Network recently wrapped production on the series, which is slated to debut later this year on both Food Network and Discovery+. Plus. The streaming hub owned by the network's parent company, Discovery. Uh, this is actually interesting, Dana. The reason I wanted to bring this up is because this is, this is one of the... F- besides shows that have already aired, for example, this is one of the first times that we're seeing a sort of day and date for, for shows that are broadcasting in real time. Listen, we're in the streaming wars. That's the, that's the reality we live in now. Uh, all I have to do is watch, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a couple shows on HBO that I have been a dedicated uh, viewer of for years. Real Time with Bill Maher, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, you know. And it's interesting because these things, those shows premiere as soon as they air on HBO, the actual channel. Like, they're on the, the platform. So I've actually adjusted my my viewing habits to watch them the next day. Because I have HBO Max. So, you know, this premiering on day and date on the streaming services and on television, I, I, mean, I think that's just Hulu's been doing it for years. They've been doing it, well, the next day. But um, it's I think it's the new norm. I think that's the new reality. And, and I'll be honest with you, look at this over the next couple of years. We're going to be pivoting from cable television into just our streaming apps i think that's the reality that we're heading because the only thing that is driving subscription cable right now is live events sporting events and news and you can get sporting events on amazon hell the super bowl was on cbs all access last year so i think not to go off in a completely different direction but the days of subscription cable is they're numbered well, you see that this is the perfect example because, yeah, the, you know, with with sort of a premium service, a subscription service like HBO, which has always been premium cable or something like Hulu streaming service. I mean, this Food Network is a, is a pretty traditional or at least in my in my eyes, it's looked at as a pretty traditional style TV channel. It's a, it's a you know, TV network. A part of a TV network. So, you know, this this really is an interesting indicator that really, you know, non-premium basic cable, like you said, it was really good. Is, it's already started transitioning, but the transition is continuing in full effect. And like I said, uh, Food Food Network and Discovery Plus at the same time. HBO, you know, you could see Bill Maher at the same time. This is one of the first times that I can think of that, like really traditional uh, cable. You know, a traditional television network is is doing something like this with a, with a, a really modern live streaming uh, platform like Discovery. Absolutely, and and. and- and Food Network is what I call a tier one basic cable channel. So when you get your basic cable, Food Network is part of that. Yeah, that's so, what I, that's exactly yeah, what I, I mean. Agree. That's exactly yes. There, I know there. You know, it's, it is exciting too. It's different. You know, new is new. Change is change. But I know the president of Food Network and streaming food content for Discovery in a statement said, "Rhett and Link have been captivating audiences for years with their humor, insatiable curiosity, and commitment to answering life's burning questions like what's the best pickle flavored snack and where in the world did this bacon <laughs> dish come from?" So. You know they're thrilled to have them, uh, and they're they have really. I, I'm I've been watching them on YouTube for for several years, and they do have great chemistry and creative gusto. And you know, we'll, they'll have more money theoretically to spend on exciting stuff. So cool, good on them, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, Brandon, before we get to the weekly box office, I have one headline that I found a little bit interesting that I brought to your attention this morning, and that is that Jason Momoa. Aquaman himself as is in talks to be in the Fast and Furious, well, the 10th Fast and Furious movie, which by all rumors is going to be broken into two parts. So 
I know you're a much bigger fan of the Fast and Furious films than I am, so I will, I'm going to, again, punt over to you and ask you your thoughts on Momoa joining because there was that, you know, olive branch that was extended to Dwayne The Rock Johnson to come back to the Fast and Furious series, but apparently he has said, I am not interested, so we need to get another person of stature and presence. So do you think Jason Momoa is the right fit for this franchise? Yeah, this touches on this touches on a couple things. Firstly, yes, Jason Momoa is a beast. I'm a big fan of his work. And I think he's a, he's a he's a big beastly dude. He fits right in the you know in the, the the rap sheet of what what a Fast and Furious cast member should look like. That it's it's I know a lot of fans were disappointed that The Rock didn't take a, didn't accept the olive the olive branch necessarily, but everybody has to do what they they want to do. And the, you know the the interesting thing is I you know I think Jason Momoa will do great within that role, whatever whatever it may be. This this brings on an interesting point that actually speaks to a lot of different uh, movie franchises. We've seen this in Scream. We're seeing this with the new Jackass Forever, where you kind of like, this is kind of new blood. The, the idea of new blood, you need, to bring, you need to bring in new people anyway, right? You know, like, it's the 10th Fast and Furious movie, or potentially the 10th and the 11th if they break it into, the, into two parts, or 10.5, however they want to frame it. It really, it's like, you know... It's like with iPhones, like we're, we're you know, it, even when the first, you know, iPhone three and four came out, people would make fun of like, oh, t- f- iPhone ten and eleven. Like, imagine that. We're actually at that point. We're at Fast and Furious ten. We're at f- iPhone twelve. We're at. It's like you know, like how do we keep things spicy now? So you know, add Jason Momoa, I guess. I don't know. Add Gal Gadot as Cleopatra. Everybody's all about Cleopatra these days too. I don't know what that's <laughs> about, but just add things to keep things spicy, and that and, and you're good. Jason Momoa right now is very spicy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like how you circled back to uh, Gal Gadot with the Cleopatra thing. <laughs> I just see it everywhere. Like I just realized she, we, you know, she, her whole thing with the the Paramount, you know, the Cleopatra movie being canceled. But then I, you know, we we watched the other the other movies on Netflix and stuff like that. The whole thing is about Cleopatra's egg. And it's what's up? What's up with Cleopatra? Why is why is Cleopatra such a big thing these days? I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's something we'll have to explore a little bit deeper. So, um, my quick two cents on Jason Momoa and the Fast and Furious thing. Whatever, you know, <laughs> it's all good. Whatever. You know what? Those movies really aren't for me. But the 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 kids out there that love them, they love them. And I say more power to you. You know, uh, I I did watch. The, the ninth Fast and Furious movie just because, you know, there, it was rumored that um, <laughs> that Ludacris and Tyrese were going to go to space in a Pontiac Fiero. And I said, God damn it. Take my money now. I have to see this. That's literally, that's the perfect example. <laughs> like, what do we do now? We've done it all. Oh, let's just let's just shoot them into space. That's it. It's too easy. Literally going to go to the moon, go to the moon or go to Mars. So we'll, we'll be curious to see what happens with that. So we're going to take just a quick station ID break. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. This is Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Fun for Life Radio, because we're the one habit that won't actually kill you. Okay, and we are back. Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network. My name is Dana. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Brandon. And Brandon, this week we've got the box office, and it is getting a little bit redundant. It's getting a little bit repetitive. I am uh, I'm just going, is there any point in us even discussing the top five at the box office? Because the more things change, the more things stay the same. And by that... A little movie that may, you may or may not have seen called Spider-Man, Spider-Man No Way Home 
is number one at the box office again. So it was number one at the box office for six out of seven weeks of its release. Now, the only reason it was not number one last week, or excuse me, the only reason it was not number one two weeks ago is because a little movie called Scream came out and took the number one spot, but Spider-Man quickly spun its web, took that box office spot back and brought in a respectable 11 million dollars on 3600 screens in north america a 17 percent decline from its prior weekend and has brought in a all a ridiculous 735 million at the domestic box office it is 40 million dollars or excuse me is 25 million dollars away from unseating avatar and it is quickly becoming one of the highest grossing films of all time so it has brought in 1.7 billion dollars worldwide and that is without a release in china i know we talk about this all the time brandon but your thoughts this is the movie that just won't stop yeah it's interesting it, it took back number the number one spot we've actually over the last few months we haven't seen that too much usually you know when a new movie comes out if it's big enough something like dune you know stays number one for quite some time and then what the next thing kind of dethrones it and stays number one uh, you know, yeah, it is. It is a little bit redundant. I think this is probably a lot of people seeing the movie over and over again, or the last few people who haven't seen it finally, you know, before it's too late. However, it's still making money, so it'll stay in the theaters as long as that happens. Of course, I am skeptical. I think it has what you said, twenty-five million. It's twenty-five million or so shy from beating Avatar. I'm skeptical. I truly am skeptical that it will that it will beat Avatar, unless they do something special like they kind of did with Avengers, where they. Re- uh, domestically, of course, uh, specifically domestically. In regard to China, I don't think there's one person in those studios who's not still praying for a Chinese release for that film. I, I'm, I'm still not. It's still really unsure. I don't know if it's coming out in China or not. But I mean, that would. It's gonna. You know, worldwide. I, I know Avatar was a 2.85 billion or something, pretty close to to three billion. So, I mean. Spider-Man in that regard has a long way to go, but domestically it's coming real close and internationally it could be doing so much more with, with China alone. But hey, I mean, gosh, you can't with nearly two billion, Dane, you can't be too upset, right? No, no. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I'll always admit when I'm wrong. And I, I thought the movie was going to do well. I had no idea it was going to do this good. Now, uh, keeping in mind in the month of January, there's only been one major release and that has, that is the Scream requel, uh, if you will. And actually came in at number two at the box office. It brought in $7.3 million, uh, and a total domestic haul of $62.1 million, which is really good considering the movie only cost $25 million to make, and it's an R-rated film, uh, which hasn't seen a entry in the series for 11 years, so I thought it did pretty good. Uh, coming in at number three is Sing 2, which, again, brought in $4.8 million. And I, I say this you know, somewhat surprised because this is a movie that is available uh, at home video on demand. But it's, I've seen it. It's a charming film, and I think everybody should uh, should check it out. Uh, coming in at number fourth was a uh, faith-based romantic drama called Redeeming Love, which secured $1.85 million from almost 2,000 screens. I haven't seen it. I'll be the first to admit I haven't even heard of it. But good for it. Coming in at the fourth place. Uh, coming in at fifth place was a movie that you saw that I would like for you to briefly mention. And that is going to be The Kingsman, which brought in uh, $1.8 million from 2,400 screens. Uh, it's brought in $34 million in North America and $114 million globally, which is substantially lower than the previous two films in the franchise. Uh, your 30-second review of The Kingsman. I made it through the first half and really enjoyed it, and then something shifted the second act, and it, like the second half of the movie, and 
it to me became a different movie and I left. I love it. I love it. So uh, the next big release coming out is going to be Paramount's Jackass 4, which comes out this weekend, which I'll admit I'm going to I'm going to make the trip to the theater, even though there's good portions of those Jackass movies that I have to watch through my hands because some of them are so gross and so disgusting. But uh, admittedly, those movies are absolutely hilarious. So uh, that's what's happening in the box office. Brandon, I'm going to kick it over to you for some uh, streaming numbers. Yeah. So actually, so this week we're going to try something. We have we have some new releases. There's a common misconception that uh, only the the start of the month, which while you're, when you're listening to this, it will be the start of the month, has you know, there's a common misconception that only the start of the month has new releases. But actually, all throughout the month, there all the streaming services put out new stuff. So I want to go through and just fill you in on some new things you might not have known popped up that aren't part of the, the big uh, you know, start of the month releases. On Netflix, the, the, one of the top movies is one from 2017 called, with Daniel Day-Lewis called Phantom Thread. Daniel Day-Lewis is, an ultra select, uh, is ultra selective with his roles these days, so you know you're going to get something special when he teams up with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. So if you, you know, that, that's a really good one. On Hulu, if you have Hulu, we have What's Eating Gilbert Grape is new on there from 1993. Uh, Mel, you know, it's most well known for Leonardo DiCaprio's breakout performance as a mentally impaired teenager and, uh, and truly carried by Johnny Depp's measured and simming, simmering work as Gilbert Grape. But that is now Amazon uh, just put on Hotel Transylvania, uh, which is I think it's, it's, it's interesting because that was in theaters very, not, not too long ago, like mere weeks ago, Dana. That's already um, on Amazon for your viewing pleasures. And on HBO and HBO Max, we do have Malignant, the one of 2021's most popular horror films. It's back on HBO Max. Apple TV Plus, The Tragedy of Macbeth has been added. And finally on Disney Plus, Ice Age Adventures of Buckwild, which also was released just this year, a few weeks ago, is uh, available for you on Disney Plus. So there you have it. There's, there's uh, quite some new stuff to see. And there will be, of course, new stuff next week. If I can briefly comment on something that came on Netflix uh, just a couple weeks ago, and that was part four, excuse me, and that was part two, <laughs> and that was part one of season four of Ozarks. For for those not keeping track, Ozark is a phenomenal show starring Jason Bateman, Laura Linney, that has had three amazing seasons. This is the final season, and they have broken it into two parts, two seven-episode parts. And I just want to say for the record, uh, I'm going to keep this incredibly spoiler free. So do not turn us off. I'm not going to say anything about what's happened in previous seasons and what's happened in the season. But I will say this. This is arguably going to go down as probably the best season of Ozark. The storylines, there, there's not as many storylines. I find the the whole first half of the season to be very laser focused. It's very easy to follow. And it has some great WTF moments in the show. Uh, very rarely will I be watching a show where I'll audibly go, oh, when something happens. But it definitely happens in the show. So if you're a fan of Ozark and you haven't started season four, you're not going to be disappointed. If you're looking for a really quality crime drama that has just some signature moments throughout the entire series, I highly recommend Ozark on Netflix. So we're going to take one more break, and then we're going to get into kind of a serious conversation. There's some serious stuff going out there, Brandon, and uh, one that I just don't feel like you and I, I don't think we can ignore it. I think it has to be brought up. I think a discussion has to happen. So uh, I'm going to set that up. So we're going to take a quick station ID. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio. 
You're listening to Fun for Life Radio, where winter is not the only thing coming. And welcome back to Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio and Dash Radio Network. I'm Brandon Liu here, and I'm with Dana Buckler. We have something, as you alluded to before the break, Dana, we, we have to talk about. It's been looming in the air for the last couple of weeks. It's been simmering and building, and we can't ignore it anymore. And what it is we're talking about is this controversy between people, people's outrage with Spotify and Joe Rogan claiming that he's promoting misinformation about COVID-19. Now, we're, we're going to delve into this. I just want to start by saying this is the topic. Uh, and Joe Rogan recently responded to this controversy in a nearly 10-minute long video posted on his Instagram account uh, last Sunday night. Rogan said, quote, I think there's a lot of people that have a distorted perception of what of what he does. He said maybe based off sound bites or based off headlines or articles. Uh, he defended his choice of of a couple of partic- a couple of episodes in particular that were controversial. Uh, the ones with Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough, both who are vaccine skeptics. He had him on the podcast, and Rogan described them as very highly credentialed, very intelligent, very accomplished people. Now, that's. That's a little bit besides the point for right now. He he came out and defended his position. Now the re- there's there's a there's a lot of facets that I want to talk about here. It's it's important that we talk about it on this show because not only is it important for free speech. Essentially, Joe Rogan's under fire, as a lot of people have been for for the last couple of years with this whole cancel culture thing for different reasons. Some really more valid than others. Let's be real. COVID is not something to be taken. It's COVID is something to be taken seriously, but I don't think it's something to be taken with. Uh, Oh, with um, exaggerated paranoia, like some people have. But that being said, um, there's there are a lot of facets. The, the The issue, Dana, is that that people literally there's outrage. There was just a list of uh, um, doc, you know alleged doctors saying that that Joe Rogan should be taken off Spotify or Spotify should do more to to try to deal with misinformation. Now the thing is. This is the thing that makes it interesting for us. Okay, we do a show on Dash Radio and Fun for Life Radio. After this show airs, this show is available on all the major podcasting networks, all of them. So we're in the podcasting space too. So like this, in a, in a way, this affects us. If we ever wanted to say anything that wasn't a part of the narrative, let's say, are we then potentially, if there's enough outrage, are we potentially under fire? Like where's the, there's, I know I'm, I'm sort of ranting and rambling on here. There's a lot of things we have to talk about this and we're going to dive into it. I just wanted to give a quick overview of some of these things we're going to talk about because you know this 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 response that joke that, that rogan gave has is viewed more than 2.4 million times you have tons of people you have you have um you have all sorts of different hosts stepping up and defending joe rogan you have howard stern talking about it and, and on the other side you have people like prince harry and Meghan markle are are urging spotify to make changes to address the quote serious harms of covid so like it's really this crazy I know I've just said a lot. It's this crazy thing we have to deal with. So where do we even begin with this topic, Dana? I'm I'm going to reel it in just for a second yes. here, and um, and without taking a position on what the the guests that Rogan has had on there, I I I will say one of the things that I found fundamentally interesting about this entire story is that Joe Rogan has been a trailblazer in the podcast community. You know, he started this kind of as a whim on a whim just to hang out with his friends. And they started out as just, you know, like a live streamed thing. And he quickly grew 
to become the number one podcaster in the world. And I'll admit it, I'll admit to have been listening to him for 10 plus years and, uh, putting my personal feelings aside about his, his interview style. I, I think he interrupts too much, but that's just my personal take on the, uh, on his interview style. Um, one of the things that I always admired about the Joe Rogan podcast was that it was self-made. He was his own boss. There was no middle management. There was no upper management. There was no boys on the board who, uh, who made the final decision. And he could basically do whatever he wanted to do. Now, uh, could platforms like YouTube and Apple and, and you know, these these uh, platforms where his podcast used to be readily available? Because for those who don't know, he signed a $100 million exclusive deal to be on Spotify exclusively. You know, could those uh, those companies make a choice to, to take down an episode? Yes, they could. But nobody could censor the content of his show. He was in charge and he answered to no one. Now, what I find interesting is now that he signed that $100 million deal with Spotify is he does have to answer to somebody now, you know, all the things that all the reasons why he started this in the first place, you know, we forget he did fear factor. He was on talk radio. He, he knows what it's like to work for, you know, the quote unquote man work for the man who's, who's calling the shots, the big shots. So I look free speech we can't really get into the free speech debate here because spotify is a company you know it's you know it's the same thing with twitter and youtube these are these are companies and they make their own rules and they make their own terms uh terms of service and you have to abide by them if you want to be on their platform um but the fact of the matter is yes i watched this i guess we'll call it the apology video if you will that he put out on instagram and uh let's just play a little clip of this real quick they have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative I wanted to hear what their opinion is. Those episodes were labeled as being dangerous. They had dangerous misinformation in them. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. I am going to do my best in the future to uh, balance things out. I'm going to do my best. But my point of doing this is always just to create interesting conversations and ones that I hope people enjoy. So if I pissed you off, I'm sorry. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, thank you. Yeah. So just listening to him right there, you know, it sounds to me like it almost sounds to me like somebody said, you need to go out and make a statement here because this this is starting to snowball. And again, I'm going all over the place, but I just think it's interesting that he had all this freedom and now that he's working for a company that's paying him ridiculous sums of money, you know, he he now has to answer to somebody and I'll leave it at that as my initial thought. I am not sure that I would go so far as to say is anyone is making him say anything other than himself. It, to me, I got the impression that he was just overwhelmed by all of this. He said in that, he said, you know, in that clip we hear, he, he talks about uh, you know, he he didn't he he didn't expect all of this. It is a weird position to be in, uh, and and he does he is just doing his best. He talked he talked about other things too. You know, like you know he he talked about how he didn't know what else he can do differently. His whole point is that he he's having conversations with people, and he he maybe said he could try harder to get people with differing opinions on right after that he has you know someone who's perhaps has a more controversial opinion. 
But can I say this real quick, Brandon? Uh, as somebody who watches and listens to Joe Rogan on a regular uh, on a regular occasion, he's had pro-vaccine doctors on his show before. He's had Dr. Sanjay Gupta. He's had Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who's one of his most frequent guests. And she calls him out right, right on the show. Joe, shut the fuck up. Get vaccinated. Stop being an idiot. Get vaccinated. So the fact that, you know, he had Dr. Robert Malone on and he's had some other people on who have been skeptical of the vaccines. And I'm not saying I agree with them or not. You know, I come from a family of doctors who will will most assuredly give me a different opinion than Robert Malone's. And I say this as someone who is comfortably vaccinated. Um, but the fact of the matter is that the media uh, it really likes to pick apart when he has Dr. Robert Malone on the show without saying, hey, wait, he also had Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who is an incredibly pro-vaccine advocate. So it's this is a salacious thing. You know, it's 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 selling newspapers, as they used to say. Uh, I think Rogan should be left alone and he can do whatever he wants. That's my that's my opinion. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. I've, I've, I love Joe Rogan. You know, maybe we are a little bit less objective than we would like to be on the topic but we're fans and the thing is he again he also talked about this in the video part of the appeal of what he does is because it's an open form free form conversation we're talking about uh, we're he's on the way to nearly to almost 2000 episodes many of which are between 2 and 3 hours minimum of just raw conversations with a incredible incredible diverse group of, of individuals it's it's insane and it, you bring up a really interesting point which i think it's it's besides like who fucking cares about the covid propaganda nonsense with this like the selling newspapers it really is about like joe rogan is doing exponentially more numbers than all of the mainstream news networks anyone else i i would argue is is joe rogan not the the number one entertainment broadcaster person just overall he has probably has the the most numbers out of anybody is this not just and and you know he is fair he's he's not pushing a narrative all the time you know what i mean he really that again that's why i think we both I, i'll speak for you i think we both love joe rogan for that reason he has he covers controversial things that the mainstream won't talk about he corrects himself when he's wrong and and he is wrong. He talks. He says, you know, he says, I'm a fucking idiot sometimes. That's great. It's funny. It's it's comedy sometimes. Sometimes it is serious. Sometimes we dive into deep topics and things. It's it, There's a lot of content. It's it, Again, it's conversations that he's having. And I just think, I honestly think it's just the old power, you know, the old traditional power struggles. Like, oh my God, we got to take this guy down. He kind of snuck up on us. He snuck up on everybody. The success really did. Like they were, people always, you know, you've been in the podcasting space for a long time. You always, you always say, you know, part of the early time of you doing your podcast was simply explaining to people what the fuck a podcast even was. And, and Joe Rogan, he, Joe Rogan really did, you know, podcasting, not just Joe Rogan overall snuck up on people. And again, we are in this space and it, and, and, and it's one of the most popular forms of media now. Is this not just a, a sad attempt of, of the traditional power trying to to maintain a grip on things yeah it's you know and again i want to stress to people i'm not saying that i agree with the guests all the guests that rogan has on his show but i still watch them because it's important to hear everyone's opinion all right you cannot silence people all right 
part part of the you know the world we live in you know a, a free society is everyone should be able to voice their opinion you as a listener should be able to make an educated decision on whether or not you agree with this person but don't silence people so this does you know but the pro- fact of the matter is that that spotify ha- does have the power to silence them if they want because this is this again this podcast his his work is not protected by free speech whatsoever like the free speech laws do not apply because he is working for a company a publicly traded company that has lost four billion in market cap since this controversy has arose so spotify has come out and made a statement that they're going to start flagging episodes of his show with COVID. you know this episode you know kind of like what youtube does or Facebook does when when anyone posts about you know COVID, they're going to put a a, a disclaimer up there, and it looks like Spotify is going to start doing and that. I know that in that video, Joe Rogan spoke specifically about he's he's not opposed to that. Have a little disclaimer. Hey, this opinion on the show or the topics on the show, some of them differ from the opinions of of experts or whoever. And you know, it's interesting. Even even individuals who disagree. With Joe Rogan in the mainstream, like Joy Behar, who, who, who is the host of the ABC t- daytime talk show The View, she stressed that <laughs> she said, "quote Rogan is a, a horror because of his COVID nineteen beliefs." But she still cited the First Amendment and said that um, she she feels Spotify shouldn't. Uh, well, she she doesn't mean that Spotify should dump him, but but it's interesting because I want to offer a point of clarification in regard to the whole First Amendment thing. Even Howard Stern, who says he's like he doesn't really listen to Joe Rogan, but he's like this is bullshit. And he's he had a whole history, uh, Howard Stern, with with you know the um, yeah. the uh, Federal Communications uh, Commission and whatnot. That that was a whole other thing. But the point here is, as far as clarification goes, in some of my research, I think Joe Rogan and his contract there there are some stipulations in regard to like they really can't mess with too much. I know there were some exceptions. Some of the really controversial episodes they they were pulled or they they edited and things. But from you know from the start of the show until even now when it's on Spotify and the big money uh, deals are happening with it. I mean, he, again, he talked about this himself. He books all everything himself. He does everything himself with Jamie. Basically, it's that it's just them and him. You know, it's they, they still even with all this, they still don't have a whole big team. And I'm still a little bit skeptical that he um, that, that they would have total autonomy to just pull whatever they want. I'm I'm really I I I'm I really remember reading that or hearing that in an interview with Joe Rogan himself saying no like they don't they don't touch or they don't they've never tried to do any of that type of thing even though people have reported that or claimed it falsely. Well, when you look at the fact that and I know we got to wrap things up here because we're running out of time, but when you look at the fact that you know Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, some of these music artists have have asked Spotify to take their music down, you know that that in itself i don't think was enough for spotify to do anything about it but you know i'm watching the financial channels this morning and that this discussion came up and you know there's rumors out there that some really big artists really big names have approached spotify and said you need to do something about this <clears throat> we're not going to go public just yet but you need to do something about this and so that might again this this is where I go back to the you know Rogan may have been nudged a little bit into releasing this video. I think you know uh, th- there, this is still a pretty fluid story. 
and there's still going to be a lot more to be said about this. I don't think this uh, this video and Spotify saying that we're going to flag episodes is the end of it. I think there's a little bit more because like you said, Brandon, I think there are powers out there that want to see him taken down, taken down a notch. The guy gets between 11 and 15 million listeners per episode. The highest rated show on Fox News gets two and a half million. The highest rated show on CNN gets 700,000. I mean, nothing even comes close to the numbers that Joe Rogan has. He has a captive audience. And when he has a really controversial guest that gets to 20, 25 million people watch and listen. So there's, I, I think the story is still ongoing and I think there's a lot to be said, but again, I just want to finalize my position. I think the man should be able to do whatever he wants. Um, basically, you know, as long as it's, you know, well, no, I'm just gonna say this. No, he, you know, he should be able to do the show as he wants, because you said something that I completely agree with. He will not double down on something when he finds out he's wrong about it. He'll be the first to admit I was wrong. I've changed my opinion. And there are so many news pundits and, you know, on-air personalities that even when they're wrong, they will double down because they can never admit when they're wrong. Rogan will admit when he's wrong. And to that, my friends, is integrity. And that gives him credit in yeah, my book. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly right there with you. Uh, I think, you know, um, we'll, we'll continue to cover this story and keep everybody updated. This goes a little bit, at least in my opinion, this goes a little bit beyond just you know oh he's he's the he's the big fish now we got to take him down this is important because it is it does touch on things like free speech and free thinking and being able to communicate with people who have differing opinions that's important and this has been it's it, you know it, it's been a slow trickle for the last few years of the wokeness and the cancel culture and the it's just bullshit it's just bullshit and for a company that provides great value to people you know, they lose $4 billion in value. Like, listen, business is business. I'm just saying, it's bullshit. You guys, like, some people out there, I'll, I'll be as candid as I can be. Grow up, shut the fuck up, and just be happy for what you have because you do have a lot. Okay, there's, there's, we have a lot. We're, we're literally, you're, li if you're listening to this, you're listening to a show about entertainment and movies because we, we fucking love entertainment and movies and pop culture and like, why? Just stop, okay? Just stop doing everything in your power to ruin everything for everybody. Just have fun. Being a human being is a fucking privilege, you guys. You know that? It really is. Like, there was how, how many trillions of sperm and you were the one that won. Congratulations. You started this life as a fucking winner and so just be happy about that. I know listen people struggle there there are really tragic things that happen i'm not trying to undermine that but the whole point of all of this is to just gosh like life is hard enough why are we making the thing that's supposed to let us enjoy life even more and escape why are we trying to make all of this shit like why are we going through with the you know a, a you know fine tooth called razor cutting out every little fucking thing just relax you guys everything is cool i know that's a little bit ironic since i'm the one ranting telling you to relax but i'm just saying relax it's cool we're good everything is good everything's gonna be okay yay and on that note <laughs> We're going to wrap things up today. Well said, Brandon. Well said. All right. If you want to follow this station on Instagram, you can do so at Fun for Life Radio. You can follow me on Instagram at the Dana Buckler. Reach out. Give us a, uh, you know, reach out. Send us some questions. We'd love to read them on the air. Um, you can catch up. Uh, you can, like Brandon mentioned earlier, you can catch all of Hollywood Unfiltered season two episodes. They are on podcast format. Uh, we're available wherever podcasts are found. Brandon, still in uh, social media jail right now? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm calling it, I'm, I'm referring to it as social media vacation now. I'm enjoying it, still marinating in my brain whether or not I want to, to return, but perhaps, but for now I'm enjoying the hiatus. 
Awesome. Awesome. All right, everybody out there, you've been listening to Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio. My name is Dana Buckler. I'm Brandon. And we will catch you same time, same place next week.